0: Inside the Game brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. This is part two on Inside the Game with Jim Dowd, brought to you by Flex
1: Coach. Well, I went right from Voorhees, that's where their practice rink is, right to Westchester, PA. Started coaching my son Jimmy. You know, he was a mite at the time, so got right into it. I didn't even think of it. You know, I could have went and coached, you know, uh, pro hockey right off the bat. But I said, you know what, my boys are into hockey. I'm going to go coach them and, uh, got right into it. And it was great, man. I wouldn't have traded the last 11 years for anything. You know, both my boys have full rides, one to the Penn state, one to the Providence, very grateful for. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I love every second of coaching young kids. You know what I mean? It's one of those, if you can, um, again, it goes back to being a firm believer that one person could change your life forever. And, and you, we all know that could be teachers and coaches are the, probably the two most influential um, people outside of your direct family.
0: What are some difficulties in coaching your own boys? You know, I always hear from coaches that, oh, it's been tough coaching my son. It's been tough coaching my daughter because this is your child and you're out there. Did you expect a lot from them or did you say, you know, hey, come on, stop, you know, goofing around, take this seriously, you know, because the other guys will see this and they won't have the respect for you or myself out here coaching.
1: No, I didn't have, you know, it's funny, you know, I know guys that, I played within the pros that couldn't coach their own kid, you know, and I had no problem coaching my boys. I kept it simple. I said, guys, I mean, uh, if there's any recommendations out there, I tell parents all the time because people come to me all the time with questions From the first New Jersey native to do what I did, you know, the way I did it. I said, listen, if I can give you one word of advice because I got two boys my own, do not talk to them about hockey on the car ride to the rink and don't talk to them on the way home in the car, just tell them, Hey, You want to be known as the hardest working player on your team, student in class, and just do the right things. And I never had a problem with my boys. You know, they just went out there and loved it. And uh, they were just hard workers. And, you know, uh, there's no science to it. But there there are some people that have a tough time coaching their kids. I didn't. I loved every single second of it. You know what I mean? It, It was, like I said, I wouldn't have traded the last 11 years for anything. I could be in the NHL right now coaching. But I wouldn't have traded the last 11 years for anything because I wouldn't have seen my kids grow up. And, uh, but that part, you know, I don't want to say any names, but I just have some of my buddies that <laughs> tried to coach their kids. But it's, some people can do it, some can't, you know. not an I, easy thing I, to do. I, I had zero issue coaching my own kids. It was great.
0: Yeah. Now, you coaching your boys, um, what did they come to you over time? Like, those 11 years were amazing. Did they come to you for advice? Hey dad, you know, I'm having a problem with this or, Hey dad, what did you do in this situation when you were my age? Did they ever ever come to you for that kind of stuff?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We talk all the time. We don't talk much unless, you know, like um, they're at the highest level now. Like I said, Jimmy's at Penn state, Anthony's in the USHL right now. And you know, they, they just put your time in Hey, true bottom line is work hard and be a good teammate. That's what I tell them. Work hard and be a good teammate. Nothing else matters. You know, and you got to believe that you're the best. I've told them since they were freaking born. You have to believe that you're the best. Nobody's better than you. Don't compare yourself to anybody. And it all goes back to just play hockey because you love it. Remember, you were a mite and squirt, just skating around out there, not a care in the world. That's how you have to go about it. But yeah, there's times, you know, we, my wife and I talk to them, and uh, you know, we could tell when they're sort of a little bummed out about certain things here or there. You know, and it's and it's such. And this has never changed from day one. It's what, what do they say? It's 90% mental, 10% physical uh, sports in general. Yeah. It's all mental for the most part, you know, and if you could keep working on that with them and help them, you know, in any way and just breed confidence into people, kids, especially. Now
0: talk about your oldest son, Jimmy Jr. Who's at Penn state and the recruitment process you went through with him. Um, You know, how hard was that? you know, grades are vital. I'm going to say that right now. Grades are vital to the success of your child or your, or your athlete going to college. Um, but talk about that process you went through with him. I mean, it's a very long process. He spent two years in the USHL, um, and, and all those different factors came into play, but what was the ultimate decision on why he decided Penn state over everything else in the recruitment process? Um,
1: you know, it all happened pretty fast for us because, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the next little segment here, but my boys didn't play triple-A hockey till midgets. People thought I was crazy, you know. Um, you know, I Why them. is that?
0: Why would you do that? I, I, why,
1: why? About, uh, I don't know. I'm not against it. I'm just like there's no need for an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid to travel around the country like a nut. Simple as that. My boys never did spring hockey, and the only summer hockey they ever did, I took them two years to University of Notre Dame's hockey camp because Jeff Jackson – who's the head coach there, you know, was there. And uh, Doug Waite has a kid the same age, Rennie Shaqueline, Jeff Naprella, you know, and another friend of mine, Brian Dorg. We all kids the same age. So we'd go there for two summers in a row. That's all the summer hockey they did, you know. Um, But... uh, We're talking about going to Penn State. Yeah, going to the recruiting process. So Jimmy, he goes, after his second year Bantams, he hopped on with the local AAA organization, the New Jersey Titans. And he was a first-year kid playing with all the second year kids. You know, he was good enough to make the team. He was a 2000 playing with all 99s and he had a great year that year. And he actually got invited to the top 50 man camp, which is unheard of for a kid that never played triple before. Yeah. You know, and he goes out there with my wife, you know, cause I was still back home coaching my other son and uh, Ryan Hardy was there running the NTDP and Jimmy had an amazing camp. You know what I mean? He was tiny at the time too, but he had an amazing camp and, coming out of that, that's when it sort of started, you know, Princeton was the first one all over them, you know, then Penn State, then a bunch of schools started calling, and it was fun, and then I said to my son Jimmy, I said, "Well, Jimmy, I go, listen, it's fun having all these schools all over you, but you have to decide on one school, and you're calling the other schools, saying that you're not going, we're not doing that, you have to make those phone calls, so don't let it get to 10, 15 schools that you got to call and say, no, let's try to figure this out now. And he did his own research and he wanted to play Big Ten. And uh, so I went down to visit Penn State with him, just he and I the first time they offered. Uh, and they weren't looking for a commitment right then. But then it was about uh, three weeks before the national camp that year and Penn State wanted to come down again. And I brought, well, we brought our whole family. So Lisa and I, my youngest son, Anthony, Jimmy went down. And that's when I sort of put the pressure on because <laughs> they knew if he went to that national camp without being committed, he'd have even more schools all over him. But yeah. Jimmy wanted to go big 10. It's an amazing school academically, you know, um, you know, athletically athlete, athlete, athletics. there are unbelievable. It's got an amazing um, alumni association and the facilities are incredible. And they're a team that's basically always in the top 20, you know, and he has his, his call. So he decided, yeah, he wanted to go there. That's how that happened. Did, and it was he, the closest Big Ten school <laughs> to our house is Penn State. So that, that made it better. Well, wait a
0: minute. You got, you got uh, Rutgers is in your backyard too. No, so. no hockey though. No hockey, though. Um, when he went off to school, did you give him any advice at all? Or did you just say, hey, look, have a wonderful four years and enjoy yourself. It's going to be the yeah, greatest yeah, time dude, of your life. Basically,
1: um, do what you do. Don't compare yourself to anybody. and Just keep Keep going there's going to be an adjustment period and, and just work hard and remember you're playing hockey because you love it. Make sure you take care of your school work, you know, first, and then everything else will fall on the line.
0: Okay. Now your other son, Anthony, is committed to Providence College. He's going to go through this same process now. Yeah. Um, what was his reasoning behind going to PC and not going to go to Penn State or go somewhere else, you know, closer to his brother? Did he want to be his own person or did he just say, oh, this is better fit for me or –
1: well, you know what? It, there's so much information out there now. I mean, these kids, they know, like, there's a whole list. You could see who's committed to what schools, what birth year they are, what position and all that. <laughs> and uh, same thing with him. He didn't go A till his first year midget. And then we went to the, you know, uh, New Jersey Titans youth organization. He played his first year 15. I was his coach. And then the second year, 16, you know, premier, the highest level. Um, schools started coming out of the woodwork. So, B.U., we went and visited B.U. early in the year. This was last year season. And then uh, we went and visited Providence and my wife took him up to that visit and they offered him a full ride. And they said, listen, we know you're going to visit other schools. That's great. Just to let you know, we're going to call you every week. And so be it. They called him every week for two straight months. And then we went to visit UNH. UNH offered a full ride as well. Um, it's got to be
0: mind boggling to have some of these schools offer yeah, scholarships. Yeah.
1: And then we were just saying to Anthony, it's your call. It's not us. You know, we'll, we'll guide you and help you. And then he just felt the love from Providence. They called him every single week, you know, and then there, are, there were other schools who were trying to set up visits, but right around Christmas time of last year, right after Christmas, that's when he decided, he goes, you know what? He was just feeling it, feeling it, you know, and uh, he, he committed there. Now you know, a kid, they, they, like, they did a great job the whole, the whole time. When I tell you they called him every week, like they said they were going to do, they called them every week. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: now, when you're coaching kids, uh, you know, let's get back to that for a minute. What do you think is lost in skill development today?
1: Skill development is not enough shinny hockey, not enough pond hockey. I'll give you a great analogy. So, Lou Amorella, who's another guy, is a huge influence on my life. And, uh, you know, when he was still with the Devils, I was doing some alumni stuff with Grant Marshall and Bruce Driver, and we were talking one day with Lou about I, – I was talking with him about, uh, you know, you look at these kids that grow up in the ghetto. They have no money. They have nothing. They don't have any private coaches, this or that. They're just out there playing basketball on the street, baseball, football. They're amazing athletes. They don't have any coaches. Oh, this is how you got this. They just go playing. And he says, you know, that, that's where of Europe, the European influence was huge over here because they play tons of pond hockey over there. You know, it's called shinny hockey. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what's missing. Things are too organized now. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just let the kids go play. You know, you that's where I'm going to go with my next question. Coaches anything. out there all the time. You that's know, where I'm going to go with my next question. It's, it's like it's 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 like overkill. I can't tell you how many people come to me for they want to do one-on-one private lessons. I do not do that. My one-on-one private lesson with your son would be keep away for 45 minutes. Yeah, I truly believe that. That's you know <laughs> everything. That's why kids are turning into robots when it comes to athletics now. You know. Do you think um, there's there well, coming you're, from you're, one of the best GMs in the history of sports, William Morella? <laughs> Yeah. You have I mean, you, you, you didn't didn't see more, a lot of overcoaching. More, 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 way, was too, way too much overcoaching, way too much film these days. You know, that's a whole nother podcast we could do. Um,
0: here's what I wanted to know too. Um, taking a break from your chosen sport that you really love, right? You know, there's a passion for hockey and you and your boys. How important it is to just get away and go do oh. something totally else. I mean, for mental reasons, for physical reasons, a lot of parents today are like, oh, if my son doesn't play in this camp this summer, you know, next fall, he's not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. But, I mean, you're more along the school of, hey, go take a break. Go be a kid. Go do whatever.
1: Yeah, you know, when I first retired and was getting into these youth sports and saw that every youth sports year-round, I was like, wow, it's really like, man, that's not right. But who am I to say it's not right? Now I'm on the, you know, my thought process is, hey, listen, if a kid wants to go to the ball field every day and play baseball or the hockey rink or – you know, uh, whatever, whatever the basketball court and play every day. That's great. It's when the parents are forcing them when it's not good. But if a kid wants to go all the time and keep going to the rink, why not let them, you know, is it good to take a break? Of course it is. You know what I mean? But I think the parents a lot of the times are living through their kids and thinking, you know, they're dragging them to the rink. If you have to drag your kid to the ball field, the rink or whatever, that's not a good sign, you know, uh, Uh, Like I said, but if the kid wants to go, like I've read up on Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane was a nonstop hockey nut, played all the time, played hundreds of games a year. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody's different. Everybody's routes different. You know, he obviously loved going to the rink. You know, I read up on these guys and how they made it, you know, for the most part, Patrick Kane was nonstop playing. Some of the guys, they, they went and they played baseball or they went and took the summers off or whatever, you know, but it's definitely good to, to refresh and reboot. There's nothing wrong with taking some time off is what I'm saying. You know, because then you come back, you're more fired up. But if a kid wants to go every day, all day, that's fine too. Do you find
0: uh, sometimes if, let's say, a, a young man or young woman has been like a couple of sport athlete that does a better thing to coach? Or let's say, you know, they play hockey, but they also play soccer, they do swimming, they do softball, they do, you know, tennis. Do you find the kid is much more of a well-rounded kid to coach?
1: Um, I never really thought of that, you know what I mean? I thought, Maybe I'll let you know in the next session. <laughs> <But> that's something <laughs> I never really thought about, you know. Um,
0: no, because they're saying today, like, you know, some kids, they're so dedicated to their one sport and they're trying to hope and pray that, okay, I'm going to get a scholarship or something. Yeah, well, again, again, that, again that,
1: that's the wrong reason to be playing sports. Yeah. You, you shouldn't be getting your kids in the sports because it's going to get them a scholarship. That's the last thing you should be thinking about. You put them in the sports to learn what it's like to be on a, you know, a, uh, uh, a team, you know, win and lose with a group of kids, make some new friends, you know, and, and that's why you, you put them in sports, you know, to and also keep them out of trouble, you yeah. know, for the most part. So that that's one of those. Uh, that, that's where I stand on that.
0: What did what does losing teach you?
1: Um. Oh, you, it's those the feelings, the up and downs of winning and losing, and you know having a good game, having a bad game, having okay, just as long as you learn from it and just, you know, f- f- learn from it, forget about it. And you can you learn from winning as well a little bit, not as much as you learn from losing, but, you know, learning from losing. Okay. What can we do better next time? You know, that's why it's great. When you're, you know, you're, you're playing, you go and you lose to a team six, one, and then, you know, you play them again. And the next time you tie them or beat them, or you only lose, you know, four, three, you know, or a team it's happened before where you lose 10, nothing. Then you go play them the next time. And you, you know, you, you tie them or you lose by a goal. You know, um, but if, it, if it's dealt with in the right way, it could teach you a ton. You know, basically, you learn way more from losing than winning.
0: What was one piece of advice that has stuck with you throughout your, your life, not only athletically, but just on like an everyday basis that you have taken with you and who gave it to you?
1: Uh, well, you know, one of the best words of advice I got when I was leaving for Lake State, you know, late at night one night I was sitting at the table with my father and he basically said the full word, but he said, F the other guys, do what you do. Meaning, you know, screw the other guys. You're going to, you're going to do what you do. And, and, and and that's that. Don't compare yourself, the biggest, don't compare yourself to anybody. Do what you do. Don't, and don't compare yourself to anybody. That was two of the biggest lessons I've learned, you know, because when you start comparing yourself to people, it's just not good. You know what I mean? Just do your best bottom line. If there's one thing
0: that you see today that's wrong in youth sports, what would you want to change? If you were in charge, let's say, of all youth sports, like a big organization, what's one thing you see that you think should be changed That's the, for the betterment of kids?
1: Too many kids on teams. Simple as that. I get it. Everybody's got a right to make a living, but sports, youth sports is such a big business, and there's too many kids on teams. And it's unfair for the coaches. It's unfair for the players and the parents. Bottom line, there's too many kids on teams. And then it's a, it becomes a nightmare when the game t- – even for practices. That's
0: but, what it's going to go to next. Yeah, too many
1: kids on teams. That's one of my biggest things.
0: Now, when you practice, um, do you think it's better to have more practices than games as you're developing athletes? And yeah, what does it do for, is what does great, it do for right? you?
1: Pra- practices – yeah, that's why college hockey's great. You know, you practice all week and you're get, you get ready to run through a brick wall every Friday and Saturday. Right. You know, you have Sunday off and you practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So four practices every two games. But yeah, of course, practice is, is, is more important than the games, you know. Now, how do
0: you plan your season as you go along in coaching? Is there anything you could pass on to a coach out there to say, hey, here's how I do my season. Here's how I plan out my season.
1: Yeah, I would, I, I, I for the most part, What do youth hockey kids get two practices a week for an hour at a time or an hour? Don't waste any time at the blackboard. I never go to the blackboard on the ice. I do all that stuff in the locker room. Once you get on that ice, you just go, go, go skating, passing, shooting drills, especially for mites, squirts, peewees, even bantams, skating, passing, shooting drills, nonstop. You can never do enough of that. That's all you need to do is skating, passing, shooting drills. Don't go over the X and O's on the ice. You You know, do that stuff in the locker room because think about it. You go out on the ice, you know, most coaches waste the first five to seven minutes just doing nothing, which is that's, that's okay. You know, the kids are skating around. That's okay. But you go with that board four to five times a practice, you could be possibly wasting 15 minutes of them doing nothing, you know, where they could be skating. I mean, you can never do enough skating, passing shooting drills. That's all I do with my kids, you know, and then I, I do the X's and O's in the locker room. You know, because, hey, if you had five practices a week for an hour and a half every day, different story. But, you know, and I'm just talking youth hockey right now. You know, baseball, you could sit out on the field as long as you want. The Basketball court, you got. Hockey's unique. It's different. Football, you could sit out there an extra hour and do that stuff. But in hockey, you just got to keep them going. I mean, Herb Brooks, you know, one of the most amazing human beings I've met. All the things he said, legs feed the wolves, this and that. He was all about skating, passing, shooting, nonstop, you know. And that's what I firmly believe when I, I, cringe when I see coaches go up to the board four or five times a practice in an hour, because easily you're wasting 15 minutes, you know, and you got to keep excited, keep them fired up, positive reinforcement. Our, our, I truly believe our job as coaching youth, youth hockey, youth sports in general is to, you know, empower these kids with getting them to believe that they're the best thing since sliced bread. You know what I mean? Positive reinforcement. I always constantly don't worry about making mistakes. You're not gonna get in trouble. Now, if you're lazy and doing dumb things, that's a different story. But just work hard, do your best, and listen. You know? You think the fun is gone in nah, a lot of ways? Well, some, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, you know. You know, but, but I don't think so, you know what I mean? It all depends on who the coaches are, you know? Yeah. You know, that's our course. job too, to make it to make them to make it fun, but actually they work hard. You know what I mean? But you, you have to make it fun because if it's, if it's not fun, you're going to lose kids, especially when they're younger.
0: You mentioned Herb Brooks, you know, our generation of, of hockey athlete. It, that was the greatest thing that ever happened for this country. What's a couple of things that you took away from Herb uh, as your coach that you were really impressed with?
1: you know what? Lou, Lou brought him in there in 91, 92 because we had a bunch of kids that panned out from the 87, 88, 89 draft. And back then it was still sort of like Slapshot, the AHL. And we had about eight or nine rookies. And then we had, you know, Bill Heward, Jamie Husker, Brent Severin to sort of take care of us in, 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 with the physical aspect. But he brought Herb in there, no assistant, no nothing, to basically teach us about the professional lifestyle and all that. And Herb would just say, Jimmy, listen, you know, be prepared every day. You know why? I'm like, no, why? He said, because it doesn't mean you're going to succeed every day, but you're going to succeed more than everybody else. If you're prepared every single day, just be prepared. That's all. Be mentally and physically prepared as much as you can. You know, and he was a firm believer in believing in yourself. I mean, it's all up in your mind. Look what he did. I mean, come on. He took a bunch of college kids that lost 12 to two the week before and ended up they beat everybody. smoked of the
0: square garden. That
1: was, yeah, but that was his biggest thing, you know, is is your mindset and just being mentally and physically prepared all the time, all the time. And you're going to have more success than most people.
0: All right, we're going to wrap this up in a minute, but I just want to know what was your, your least favorite moment in, in the NHL and your best moment
1: in the NHL? My best moment. Or your worst.
0: Like, let's, let's start your your worst moment, and then we'll go to the, we'll end with we'll always the positive or the best moment.
1: Oh yeah, my worst moment was not playing in games three or four of the '95 Stanley Cup Final, and my best moment was in Game Two. You know, scoring the game winning goal <laughs> with a minute twenty six <laughs> seconds left.
0: <laughs> I thought you might. You said your worst moment is when you were in uh, on the ice, and the Rangers uh, had Mattox
1: nah. score the goal, and. You know? uh, that's the second worst moment, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but it was great. And like I said, it's funny because, you know, you look back on all that and, uh, you know, Jacques Lemaire is the one that got me into the NHL and then that happened. Then I got traded the year after, but then Minnesota pops up, yep. Lemaire picks me up. I'm a captain for him. I played for him for like seven and a half years. So, you know, it's all good. And things, everything happens for a reason, you know, but it was a, an amazing ride. And uh, I said it earlier in this podcast, there's nothing like playing in the NHL. It, it really is amazing. It, it's, it's, it's the most amazing feeling in the world. There's nothing better because there's days you're out there, you're, 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 you, you know in your mind you're better than Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that he thought that every single day and he went out and did it. But no, it, it, was, it was a great ride. I learned a ton and now it's my way of giving back these last 11 years. And even though my boys are gone, Right now, at Penn State, Anthony Steele, I'm still helping the New Jersey Titans Youth Organization coaching little guys again. I'm coaching a 2010 team and I'm coaching a U16 AA team. So it's great. And just to be an influence on kids, you know, uh, in a positive way, because all this goes way beyond hockey and sports. You're teaching them life lessons. And if, you know, you as a coach can help one kid out, the old saying, if you could help one kid and change their life, you've done your job.
0: Well, I want to thank you for your time as always. Great to hear your insights into what you think of the sport of hockey. You have a great passion for it. And, and I really enjoyed this time with you. I look forward to having you back on the Inside the Game with us uh, real soon.
1: Yep, anytime until Keith I said hi.
0: That was Jim Dowd here on Inside the Game with Chris Riley. I'm your host. We hope you enjoyed the talk. Inside the Game brought to you by FlexCoach and FlexCoach VR.